This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Tonight, revealing shocking new details concerning Hillary Clinton's email system, that illicit system, identifying at least 18 classified emails found on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Weiner, of course, once married to Clinton aide Uma Abedin. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. Unplugged. Welcome to episode 13 of The Middle Unplugged. I'm Anthony Weiner. Today, a break in the middle of the week when we reclaim the microphone from the far left and the far right and try to carve out some time for a less shrill, less extreme, and generally less angry conversation. And I will tell you this week, I want to get in on this classified documents being mistreated, gate, Gazi gate. But it seems like all the good hot takes have been taken. All the side-by-side graphics on Biden v. Trump on secret papers, all the cherry-picking of details that support whatever team we're supporting. Even dueling political special prosecutors, having their bona fides compared, shouting head cable TV guys and gals, they just love this stuff. Now the new House of Representatives which really doesn't have much else to do. You know, they passed, before the end of last Congress, they passed an extended budget, an omnibus that went all the way through to the end of the year. They don't have that to do, so they're going to do a lot of work on investigating. And we have now an investigation of the investigation going into this this issue of who classified what when. Well, sort of. I mean, we have James Comer, who's the chair of the House Oversight Committee, the new guy coming in, a guy from Kentucky, a guy I didn't serve with. He was asked a question this weekend to kind of summarize and explain what exactly they are investigating. To viewers who don't understand why President Biden's documents seem like a big priority for you, but President Trump, who took hundreds more documents, did not comply with the subpoena, did not reach out to the National Archives or the Justice Department to say, hey, we found these documents. It's not a priority. Do you only care about classified documents being mishandled when Democrats do the mishandling? Absolutely not. Look, we still don't know what type of documents President Trump had. That's one of the questions we've asked National Archives. Just because Joe Biden's lawyers said they turned over five documents doesn't mean they just turned over five documents. They could have turned over 500 documents. Uh, I'm sorry, but I don't have a lot of confidence in President Biden's personal lawyers. At the end of the day, the National Archives implied to us uh, at former Chairman Maloney's request and told us that the National Archives was working with the Trump administration during the transition. That's the last communication we had uh, with whether or not the archives had worked with Trump on uh, removal of of all the documents from the White House. So we don't know exactly what uh, Trump has versus what Biden has. At the end of the day, my biggest concern isn't the classified documents, to be honest with you. My concern is how there's such a discrepancy in how former President Trump was treated by raiding Mar-a-Lago, by getting the security cameras, by taking pictures of documents on the on the floor, by going through Melania's closet versus Joe Biden. They're like, okay, you, you're, you're personal lawyers who don't have security clearance. You know, they can go through, they can just keep yeah. looking and keep looking and, and, you know, determine whatever's there. That's not equal treatment. And we're very concerned 
And there's a lack of trust here at right. the Department of Justice by House Republicans. That's the outrage. Yeah, that's so I'm fine with that answer. I mean, it's a political answer. He's saying I'm going to investigate one side and not do the other. That's totally fine. I got no problem with that. Now, you notice he didn't actually, he said he didn't care about the classified documents. I give him credit for saying that, nor did he answer the question about not investigating both presidents. But that's what this is going to be. James Comer is doing, you know, what you'd kind of expect a political creature in the House of Representatives who's the head of the oversight committee to kind of be doing. It's all about FaceTime and base feeding for him. It's going on on the other side as well. By the way, just like another, his namesake, James Comey. It's funny how these names keep getting repeated. But anyway, but I, I do want to get in on this. And I'd like to propose hearings on a whole different set of questions around this. I mean, we know the ones that are going to get the attention in this sport version of this discussion. The timing, why weren't we told sooner? The stuff that Comer just mentioned about why did one get a, a raid and the other didn't get a raid? What did Biden know and when? Completely legitimate questions. What's in the documents? The first quote we heard from them is less than a dozen. By the way, what is that, less than a dozen? Does you have, do you know how many there are or not? It's, if it's less than a dozen, it can be 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, right? That's less than a dozen because otherwise you'd say a half dozen. Just tell me the number, and then we heard roughly 20. It is a knowable number of documents. The person saying those things know the number. Just say the freaking number. But anyway, then there's the political question. You know, will the public discern the difference between Biden and Trump? Will the special prosecutors go rogue? You know, special prosecutors, once you name them, they can go any which direction. So there are these questions. There's plenty to argue about and think about this. The cable TV is going to love this stuff. I cannot think of issues that are more further from the classic kitchen table issues. Mr. and Mrs. Jones sitting at their table wondering about whether government's helping them out or not is not going to be moved by this one ounce. This is purely for the partisans on both sides. But none of all that stuff are we going to learn at a congressional hearing, that list I just read you. Because there are real professionals in these special prosecutor's offices who are going to be doing that for the Justice Department. And they're going to be subpoenaing people and they're going to be interviewing people. And the moment that Congress tries to subpoena someone or ask the Department of Defense for information about the investigation, Department of Defense, Department of Justice for information about the investigation, they're going to say, no, you can't have it. We're doing an investigation over here, butt out. And there'll probably be lawyers at the congressional committee who tell their bosses, hey, boss, if you call some guy in who's testifying in this thing, you're going to create all kinds of a mess for the investigation. The investigation may fall apart because of what we do, and so they won't. So no subpoena from Congress will really be honored around this stuff. But, you know, I will say that, you know, Mr. Comer, if you're listening, can I have a word with you, sir? Come over here for a second. You know, as someone who has been around in the middle of the bull issue surrounding classified documents that idiot named Comey got involved in. Comey. Yeah, Comey. I know a little bit about this stuff, and I know a little bit about this classified material stuff from the inside. In my case, Comey talks about tens of thousands of documents and then quietly has to say that there were five and they weren't even marked classified that they found. By the way, I'm going to do it in the viewer mail part, the listener mail part. I'm going to talk a little about my laptop, but putting that aside for a second. There is an important role for Congress here and getting serious for a moment, putting aside the politics of this. There are things that Congress can do around this subject that both left and right, and you know, I, the show's called The Middle Unplugged, that we can really learn. Like, why do we have so many of these classified documents? Why do we have them at all? Why are they so hard to keep out of golf club storage rooms and next to Corvettes? You know, 
Our number of the week, and I like to do numbers of the week every week, today's number of the week is 2,000 plus. I don't have a specific number because it's apparently not available. That's the number of government officials who are authorized to make initial classification document decisions. 2,000 different human beings in our government that have the authority to make these determinations. And the different levels, by the way, you know, confidential, that's the lowest. That's basically information that could damage national security generally. Tons of government workers and contractors have access to confidential information. You know, basic State Department cables are considered confidential. Information provided by a foreign government is considered confidential. Even if it's not very selective, it would be marked as confidential. Which just basically says we don't want to release it because it might complicate something. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Then the next level is secret. That's the next level of classification. Material that would cause serious damage is how the law is written. And it's the broadest category. Everything from what goes on in intelligence agency, even to elements of the U.S. budget. Believe it or not, as a member of Congress, there's something called the black budget. Parts of the budget that even members of Congress need clearance to go take a look at. I remember there was a big debate in the 1980s when I was working on Capitol Hill in the 1990s on the stealth bomber. And all these amazing things about the stealth bomber. It's a bomber that could elude, well, it's like it sounds, can elude radar. And we would have all these conversations about the stealth bomber and how amazing it is and whether we should spend money for it or not. But the budget for it was blocked out of the budget. So that secret classifications can now be, you know, big, important things like that. Top secret is the most sensitive information bracket, and it covers things that would cause exceptionally grave damage. That's how the language. And within top secret, there's a lot of subclassifications that might protect certain information that only specific people in, in our government can get. But 2,000 is the number of different officials in our government can classify. And, you know, it's hard to even have a conversation about them, but it's estimated by one report that 50 to 90 percent could be released safely without causing any damage. In one year, 2014, how about this for a crazy number? 2014, 77 and a half million decisions to classify information were made by those 2,000 people, and that's in one year. And so why is there so much of this material being classified? Well, think about it. Think about if you're someone who is in a government agency who's given the responsibility of classifying something to make it harder for someone to read. For one thing, there's less risk just to stamp something classified, less risk that the document contains something that someone may want to see or that a boss will get upset if it's out there and they read about it or a congressman will get upset about. It's much easier to make policy decisions when you're in an agency if information is hidden. (laughs) Think about it. If you have an embarrassing fact, let's take the stealth bomber as an example. If you have an embarrassing fact, like that the price has gone up 30% from what it was estimated to be or that they're breaking down, marking that document classified makes it much easier on your bosses, much easier on making decisions that might be in your interest to keep hidden. And what if there's evidence of misconduct in those documents? That's another reason why something someone might have the incentive to classify something unnecessarily. And then there's just the pure human politics of it, you know, enhancing your own status. If you're someone that gets to decide whether who gets to see information, that means you become the secret keepers, the gatekeepers. It enhances the status of people with that security clearance the more this stuff is stamped that way. And if you're trying to protect, say, turf from another agency or from another official or from another person who's stamping stuff, well, you get a chance to basically decide something isn't going to get talked about. 
And that's the final element of it. And I talked about this a little bit this weekend on my show, The Middle, which every Saturday is on from 2 to 3. You can stream it around on WABCradio.com or on the app. Talked about the, my experience with this stuff is that I stopped going to some top-secret briefings because it limited my ability to discuss things. And that's the other reason why there's often incentive to classify stuff. You know, once you've classified something, someone else can't talk about it, can't criticize it to others who don't have security clearance, meaning constituents, citizens, reporters. I mean, are, face it, is there any disincentive to classifying just about everything? Nobody really reviews the decisions. No one gets punished if you classify something incorrectly. And so then we're in a position when we all freak out when a document that is not marked is found on a laptop, like in my case, or a document that is marked is found at Mar-a-Lago or a garage in Wilmington, Delaware. I mean, isn't one of the questions is less so like who was responsible for this getting released than is it what kind of information? Is there so much of it swimming throughout our government that way we can't keep track of it? And if they are that important, do we have a system that can protect those documents? If these 70 million some odd documents that are classified each year, and that's just one year, do we have the wherewithal to keep track of them all? Is the only interesting thing about this case is that we now know that presidents have them? And does that mean that other officers don't have them lying around their garages? Does it mean that one of the, the many people that have these security clearances didn't squirrel away a document somewhere, even accidentally or intentionally? I mean, look, it could very well be that what appears to be the case is the case, that Biden didn't mean to take them and didn't know he had them, and that Trump did mean to take them and knew he had them. But what about the millions and millions of other documents? So what I would say is that if Congress is going to have hearings about this, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity not just to score points against Trump or against Biden, and for us to choose our team and say, all right, I believe this argument because I like Biden, or I believe that argument because I like Trump, but to really have a conversation that might cross over between the two parties to create something that we all kind of agree upon, that government secret keeping absent any real oversight and any real conversation about how it's being done is a problem. It's a problem for a democracy. It's a problem for Congress doing true oversight. And while I know Democrats see Republican as the opposition, they see the executive branch and the Senate, you know, the other body as the enemy. If you say this is a way to empower Congress, perhaps they can get together and really do some hearings about how things become classified, what we do to make sure that their classification level is correct, do some real oversight to make sure that the classifiers are doing it for the right reason. And then, perhaps, most importantly, can we declassify stuff on a regular schedule under some regular statutory rules? Right now, things theoretically stay classified until the president says they're not classified anymore. Barack Obama made a point of saying, I'm going to classify less stuff. He did, something like 15% less than the before. I couldn't find data on Trump's classification. Sure, it's out there. But... Maybe we can all agree that we don't need to keep classification information about a UFO sighting in the 1980s locked up in 2023. And that someone exchanging notes about a president who hasn't been in office in Sweden or a prime minister hasn't been in office in Sweden in 30 years, that's not the worst thing in the world to find out a little bit more about what those documents might say. And I'm hamstrung in even having a conversation about it, despite the fact that I served as a member of Congress for some time and had access to some of these documents. As I said, they frequently were not very helpful. So that might be the middle ground. That might be the place that perhaps, if I were the Democrats, 
on this committee or the other committees that are doing these investigations. I would say, look, let's let the special prosecutors do their thing. I support a special prosecutor for Trump and for Biden. Let them investigate. Let them do their job. But here's the question I have. And ask witnesses these questions. Are we really so bereft of ideas, technology, and manpower that we can't keep track of the top secret stuff, for example? If the president is handed a document that has a barcode on it that's top secret, is there nobody in government whose job it is to physically wait there while he reads it or to come back the next morning if he takes it up to the White House West Wing, East Wing, which is the wing that they live in? I don't know. So that's my take on this. I am not, I'm fine watching the play out the Trump v. Biden on confidential documents. But as far as the real question that I have, it's how many are there? How are they getting classified? How we can get more declassified and whether we can find some common ground around those issues. And we will come back. The question of the day is also kind of about this very same issue. And we'll see you on the other side of the break. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. So welcome back to The Middle Unplugged. I'm Anthony Weiner. We're talking today about, what do you even call it, uh, confidential documents found in garages and hotel gate gazi. And today the question of the day is about that subject, sort of. And the question of the day is something that we do kind of like listener mail. It's not the question of the day. It's just kind of we dip into the various mailbags. You can reach me in a couple of different ways. One is by Gmail, wienerwabc at gmail.com. That's an email address that's particularly for this show and to reach out and offer questions, critique, feedback. You can tweet at me at at repwiener, R-E-P-W-E-I-N-E-R. We have a Facebook page, Anthony D. Wiener. So there's plenty of ways to reach out. And each day when we do the show that drops on Wednesday, we take something. And today it's from Twitter, but it is not from someone who tweeted at me at Rep. Wiener. I did something called name searching, which is a thing if you're a healthy person you're not supposed to do. You search just not by your Twitter handle, but just by your name. And there is a whole subculture of mostly Twitter bots and Twitter people with like 25 followers and upside-down American flags is their logo. Anyway, who constantly say, what about Anthony Weiner's laptop? And it's a reference—well, very often it's apropos of nothing. Sometimes it's about Joe Biden, uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Sometimes it's about Hillary. Sometimes it's about Comey. Who knows what it means? It's become a little bit of a Rorschach test, my laptop. But I'm mentioning it now because sometimes people do actually ask about it in the context— of the idea that confidential or classified information was found on my laptop. If you recall the story, my laptop was searched by the FBI. They found documents on it that were apparently to and from Huma Abedin, my ex-wife. And they were held. There was no investigation done of it. And then at the very last minute, Jim Comey, the FBI director, basically upset the election by saying the stuff has been found. Turned out that nothing had been found. He went to Congress and said there were thousands of classified documents. It turned out that there were five, and of those five, none of them 
had been marked with any classification. And just so you understand, emails, classified information that's sent by email is a whole different thing. They have something called the high side and the low side, where high side documents, some people have access to a computer system that they can transmit classified material. It's a closed system. It's not essentially attached to the internet in any way. And if you are someone that has access to that system, you have the highest security clearance. There are ways to make sure that other people don't access your devices, et cetera. All that being said, I didn't have access to that. And none of the emails, you can't transfer something that is classified top secret and marked top secret off that high side system. Long story short, it turned out that I didn't have the materials that was alleged and the election results might have been changed because of what Comey said and did. But if you are really interested in that chapter and you want to understand that chapter, after all was said and done, in June of 2018 is when the report came out. Just to give you an idea, this all went down in the summer of 2016. By the time June 3rd, an inspector general was chosen by the Republicans, a Republican inspector general for the Department of Justice, who did a review and a report called a review of various actions by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Department of Justice in advance of the 2016 election. It's not just about my laptop or any of that stuff, but it's in there. And it's line by line. Who said what? What is true? What turned out to be the truth? You can go read about it if you want. And I'm not going to tell you where the laptop is, but I know. <laughs> don't, don't show up in the studio looking for me. It ain't as interesting as you think. Let's put it that way. So when people say, what about Anthony Weiner's laptop? You can read it. You can go read, maybe not the laptop, you can go read an expansive report by a Republican inspector general who took a look at all this stuff and offered some, you know, offered a giant report. I think it's a 600-page report. And there is a section about my laptop in it. You can go read and you can read. And the takeaway is it was, man, oh, man, for how much that turned out that it might have influenced the outcome of the 2016 election, there was no... They're there except for a very sloppy FBI director who wanted headlines, who wanted to be in the paper, who wanted to insert himself, and who sat on information he had for weeks, didn't move on it, and then when he finally decided to, could have waited another 15 minutes to have someone tell him what he was saying was not true, and the world might be a different place today. But all of that being said, that's my answer to the where, what about Wiener's laptop I refer you to the Oversight and Review Division, 1804, dated June 2018, a review of various actions by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Department of Justice in advance of the 2016 election. So that's my little experience with classified documents, and I encourage you to let me know what you think once you read that or just tweet at me anonymously. So that's the end of our show today. Like I said, plenty of ways to get a hold of me. If you like what you're hearing here, give it a rating. If you want to share this episode or share the link to the show, please feel free to go ahead and do that. Your feedback is very important. Like I said, plenty of ways for you to reach out to me, and I look forward to you doing so. We'll be back again with another episode of this podcast, The Middle Unplugged. And please tune in on Saturdays at 2 o'clock and stream live The Middle. Or you can always get that as a separate podcast, or you can also download and listen to Left versus Right, a show I do with Curtis Slewa, also on Sunday at 3 o'clock. And all of the material that is produced here at 77 WABC is found on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All of the on-air talent, many people who are not on-air but just have great podcasts, 
It is a place that you can find it all, and I really am appreciative of your support. This is the end of The Middle Unplugged.